the Askell Primary Leaders Podcast with Tiff Harris. Hello everyone and welcome to another Primary Leader Podcast. My name's Tiff Harris and I am uh, Askell's Primary Policy Specialist and today I'm absolutely delighted to be speaking to Northern Ireland Primary School Leader Carwin Guy. Hello Carwin. Good morning Tiffany, how are you? I'm great, it's lovely to speak to you today. Um, from Northern Ireland. What's the weather like in Northern Ireland right now? It's it's wet and miserable. Uh, seems to be the, the the new norm here in Northern Ireland. Okay. Uh, I, think I, sh- I should apologise in advance. I have a, a dear friend who's a Welsh head teacher who tells me that every video call I have with him should come with subtitles. So hopefully <laughs> your members will be able to uh, understand my, my dulcet tones. Well, your dulcet tones are absolutely lovely and it's and it's, and it's a pleasure to, um, to listen to you. Um, and and I hear oh, I will ask you this. Are you a bit of a golfer? Are you a golfer? Is, oh, is the weather affecting oh. your golf right now? You, you, you've hit a nerve there in that I have been a golf <laughs> addict for an excess of 15 years. And in May this year, the clubs were put into the guides and they haven't ventured out since. I have uh, my love affair with golf seems to have ended at this stage. So uh, maybe it will return. But at the moment, uh, I'm just limping along and Brilliant. Uh, doing a few other things. Yeah. So, so to, to the listeners that are still with us now, all of those of you that um, switched off, you won't know what we're saying now, or they're non-golfers, but those that are still hanging on in there, Carwin Guy. Carwin, I want you to talk to us ab- about you. What are you doing? Where are you based? And, and a little bit about your career, because you've been in primary education for, for quite a long while, haven't you? So let me let me just open, open it up to you now and give us a little bit of a flavour about you and your career to date. Okay, uh, well, for the people in England and Wales that perhaps are a wee bit familiar with Northern Ireland, uh, I am in Portrush Primary School at the moment on the north coast, the very north coast. Uh, I grew up in a small town called Limavari. Our claim to fame would be that the song Danny Boy, the music for Danny Boy, was originally written down in the main street of our town by a uh, uh, one of the natives uh, many months ago so we're there and I suppose of late our claim to fame is we're just a few miles from the city of Derry, Londonderry where Derry Girls has become very famous from. Yeah. So yeah I grew up there um, at a very good, I went through uh, local primary school, local grammar school, we still had what you guys would have referred to as 11 plus in those days. I still remember the look of shock on my sister and my mother's face when I opened the grade to get me into the local grammar school and I went through there I have to say I had a fantastic experience there it was an integrated school in every way possible before there was even talk of integration um, I had a fantastic pastoral experience both through primary school and secondary school and I think that's probably where the seed of being a teacher fit in with me um, I never really in my life have considered any other career it just seemed to be a natural progression for me. My father did at one stage at A-level time make me sit or apply for a job in the fire brigade, which I promptly turned up for the physical assessment, was told how to climb a ladder, climbed the ladder. I obviously did it wrong and was failed and put straight out at that stage. So yeah, teaching was my only career choice um, and one that I certainly would say I haven't regretted at all. In, we have, in Northern Ireland, we still have two teacher training colleges, uh, still split on a Protestant and a Catholic line, unfortunately. But so I went to Stranmills College in Belfast, um, had a, a fantastic four years there, I would, would highly recommend it. And 
I started there in 1992, which was still, if you like, for Northern Ireland historians, at the height of the Troubles in many ways, but yet the start of the end of the Troubles. So it was for a little boy from a country town moving to the big city of Belfast. I think one of my first nights there, one of the biggest bombs in Belfast ever exploded. So it was a wake up call, but the, the peace mm. process really started to bite in there around the time that I was at, at college. There were a few atrocities that really, I suppose, were the final straw of, of people's tolerance of the Troubles. And Northern Ireland has moved on massively from then. Uh, I would encourage all your members. It's become a very popular weekend, half-term type destination for people. So uh, we have a lot to be very proud of. It's a very beautiful part of the world to be in. And my four years at Stranmullis, I studied PE as my main subject then in those days. In primary education, you had to specialise. And I had, I had a great time. Fantastic institution, if you like. And yeah, we, we, we moved on. My teaching career started. I started in a three form entry primary school in Newton Arge, which is a large town not far from Belfast. Uh, gave me a great grounding, a great school, Abbey Primary School, uh, a great leader and a great team of people, and really gave me such a great grounding in primary education and, and what it was about. And to fast forward through the career, I taught in another couple of primary schools before I took on my first headship role, which was in a country school, uh, a small village called Donamana, which is just south of Derry. And it was a job with a large teaching responsibility. It was teaching three, four days a week and very much a baptism of fire. That teaching principal role for anyone still doing it, they know how difficult it is and how challenging it is. It's certainly a great education in the job. Um, it gives you no time for yourself, um, okay. but the workload is huge. And I did that for six, six and a half years. And then I moved to Portrush Primary School here in the North Coast. I started here on Monday, the 24th of August, and my daughter was due to be born that day. But she held off for a day and was born the <laughs> next day. So the two things are <laughs> intertwined forever. Um, so I'm in my 15th year here and she's in her 15th year. So the two things have been inextricably linked since then. It's a lovely um, story. And the journey into headship even for me was quite an unusual one. And I was very happy teaching. And yet it just, I, I, I mean, obviously you have to apply. So it didn't just happen to me. I did at a stage apply for a job. I got it. Very young, possibly too young, because as I say, I'm 21 years done and, and quite a few still to go. That's a, a very long career in, in mm. the headship chair. But it just, I, I would always sort of say it kind of just happened to me. Um, I would never have said it was a destiny or, or, or a dream move for me, but it kind of happened and, and I mm. fell into the role and, 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 and I have thoroughly enjoyed it, even though it is absolutely a very demanding job. Um, I can remember before I started as a principal, one of my friends asking me, she said, what does a principal do on a day-to-day -day basis? And it probably was never a stump by a question in my life because until you do this job, you don't realize the demands that actually are upon you, what an individual day can bring. Anybody that's done the job knows you can't walk into school in the morning going, I must get A, B and C done because mm -hmm. you'll be lucky to get A done, especially in those particular types of days. Um, so as I say, I have, this is my 21st year as a head in total. Um, 
I'm now at a stage in my career where I'm mentoring some new principals. Uh, my career's gone full circle in that the, the college that I attended, I now go back and help out with assessing student teachers, uh, the application process for getting into the college and so on. That's something I'm very proud to do. I'm, I'm very yeah, proud good. of the college I attended. And yeah, it's gone full circle. So I'm not quite at the twilight of my career, but um, I had the big 5-0 birthday last year. So yeah, uh, everything hurts a little bit more and everything gets a little <laughs> bit harder. But um, yes, that's that's where I am with my career to date. So, and I think, I, yeah. I think that some of those things you've talked about in there, Corin, resonate with a lot of our leaders. I think I've heard many times before about leaders that have, have, have ended up in leadership or ended up in headship. You know, it wasn't something they set out to do. And I think I think your story would would um, would be interesting to many people listening right now. Let's let's I did, talk. Uh, well, yeah, I did. Uh, no, I did bump into somebody I went to school with recently that I hadn't seen in years. And we were talking about different people and, and where we ended up and everything else. And and as a, an aside, and I suppose I take it as a compliment, but she did say to me, well, you were always going to be a principal, even though I'd never really considered that. But obviously other people's perceptions are different and so on. But yeah, it, it, here I am. Um, yeah, it's, it, it's a very rewarding job, as anybody that does it will know. But it comes with an awful lot of baggage now, too, in the modern world. But yeah. Yeah. Um so let's talk about what's happening right now in in your in your career. I mean, you might want to talk about what happened in your career at the start, but Northern Ireland and some of the issues that are affecting leadership as a as a as a primary leader or any or any school leader. What's affecting education right now in Northern Ireland? Well, when I have spoken to colleagues in England and Wales, um, I'm quite envious of the fact that the crisis that you're under. We've already had for maybe 10 years. Uh, yeah. <laughs> this local history in Northern Ireland over the past decade is within education, we've had a period of industrial action for a number of years. Then we had a couple of years of COVID and the pandemic and everything mm. that that brought. Uh, and since COVID has ended, the teaching unions have moved into another period of industrial action. So schools have been exceptionally hamstrung. The funding crisis that in this past year, 18 months, seems to have really raised its head in England. Mm. We have been operating under that funding crisis for at least 10 years. Mm. Uh, the financial position of schools in Northern Ireland is beyond over the cliff edge. The, the deficits that schools are running with, that how that ever gets paid back and how that ever gets rectified, I really don't know. We do seem to sit back in Northern Ireland at times and hope that Westminster will ride in on its white horse and, and clear the books, but I'm not sure they're inclined to do that anymore. No, okay. Uh, we do not have a functioning government in Northern Ireland. Um, that it has created a bottleneck, if you like, for all this industrial action that's going on because there's no one can actually give us a pay raise at the moment. So we really are hamstrung in that regard. In Northern Ireland, I know in England and Wales, you have LEAs and so on, but we have a, an education authority here. We used to have five education authorities and they amalgamated into one with a view of saving us a fortune and becoming streamlined. And yet it's a bigger organization than it ever was. It has become more corporate than it ever was. Compared to schools in England, we would have, there's a token figure that's always thrown out, 40% of our funding gets taken out at source to provide for an education authority. Mm. And we have never had less provided for more of a income taken, if you like. 
So we have a number of challenges here. Certainly the one at the moment, industrial action is crippling schools in Northern Ireland at the minute. And that is a real challenge for leadership. And without a doubt, every leader in the country would tell you that teachers need and deserve, as do classroom assistants, administrative staff. Everybody needs a pay rise. We're long overdue. We have a situation in Northern Ireland where our teaching staff for decades had parity with England, where we were always paid the same as yeah. a teacher. Mm. That has been lost somewhere along the way, and I do think the teaching unions need to take a look and say, why was that lost? Because it happened on their watch, and nobody's ever really stood up and said why and how it was lost. Mm-hmm. So that party is something that needs to be addressed, but we're a long way from there. Uh, I'm not sure this industrial action will achieve that, but hopefully, um, and management side are certainly making noises that they support yeah. the pay rise, they just don't have the money to be able to do it. So it is affecting, yeah. like in England, it is affecting recruitment into, well, well, at all levels, but especially into leadership or retention. Are you seeing any, any changes Northern there? Ireland, yeah, Northern Ireland has a, a slight difference to England and so on. In primary schools, we would have a lot of primary school teachers. We would have a surplus of primary okay. school teachers. Mm-hmm. Um, however, at the, I know at the secondary level, a number of colleagues are really struggling with specialist teaching roles. Mm certain departments and so on there is an attraction for young teachers now either to go to england or to the likes of dubai and saudi where salary is more attractive workload certainly less so there is there is a yeah a movement there and i know recruitment and retention in the secondary schools has become harder at secondary level primary school we would say we we still have enough but i don't know how long that will continue uh, okay. I know some teachers have started that train we have a lot of teachers qualify uh, out of liverpool universities and end up staying within england then mm. to further their teaching careers because at primary level a lot of young teachers struggle to get a job mm. because there there is a decreasing population jobs are becoming more scarce schools are cutting jobs rather than mm. recruiting really uh, so there is that difference between england um, in leadership, yes, the number of applications for leadership roles is certainly on a very steep decline. The attraction of the job has become less and less, and, and teachers at the top of their pay scale are really looking and saying, I don't need that hassle yeah. or, you know, for the extra pay mm. that's available. So that that is and has become an issue. Mm. And we've, we've talked a little bit about, about golf. Um, I just want to bring this to you keeping smiling and reducing your own stress and I'm using that word well-being or how how you um, cope with high high workload and and from a leader perspective how do you make sure that you take the time to just to, to switch off or, or or don't you you know what do you do what do you do to to make sure that you um are ready for a new week when you come in on a Monday that's, morning <laughs> I think that's a battle that's becoming harder and harder for school leaders and I even this past weekend, I just thought it, it really was Sunday afternoon before I got school off my shoulders and off the yeah. inside of my head. Mm. Whereas, you know, sometimes you get, you're lucky enough to get that on a Friday evening or, or possibly mm. a Saturday. But Absolutely. the past few weekends, it's, it's been it's taken until the Sunday afternoon before it becomes bedtime on the Sunday when you're starting to get your head back into school again. And that, that yeah. cycle, I think, for most school leaders is becoming more and more evident because the pressures around industrial action... Mm. The trade unions have set their teachers up to stand against 
head teachers whenever head teachers can't give anybody a pay rise uh, we're, we're all on for the pay rise ourselves yeah. and unfortunately that direction of travel has increased the stress massively um so for me my escape has always been sport uh, i've mentioned there golf was a huge thing of my life i, I grew up playing rugby and cricket the traditional grammar school sports if you like um i, I played those to a senior level played a number of different sports at easter time i was taking my daughter around to play tennis and thought oh, i'll hit a few balls back to her and i i got a great satisfaction out of playing tennis which is a phrase i never thought i would say and i mm. was playing that avidly for a few months there until my knees didn't agree with playing tennis okay. and one of those has packed in so <laughs> um i think I, i'm beginning to accept that my daughter's sporting uh, attention and enthusiasm and effort is cementing my place on the sideline and i do take yeah. a great deal of pleasure um in in following her playing her sport I, I have got involved with an under 15 or a couple of under 15 teams that she plays for with the the mighty limavati ladies they will appreciate a shout out and yeah i spent a lot of time at the weekend just lifting and carrying her around the country she also has thrown herself headlong into cricket um and the opportunities for 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 young ladies in sport and sporting and have really opened over the years which is really refreshing to see mm. so yeah i've very much become a, a sporting dad trying very hard not to precariously live my sporting life through her and just let her make her own mistakes and so on but yeah that that has been a great release of pressure for me and and i actually enjoy i suppose working with a group of kids that are outside of the primary school age group yeah uh, and i'm just enjoying that little bit of a difference and as I say, the under 15 groups and, and her school team, great bunch of kids and very refreshing at the weekend to to experience their enthusiasm and their joy. So, yeah. That's lo- lovely to, to hear that. And um, and we we, we we talk about leadership and, and, and the challenges that leaders face in education right now. But it's also one of arguably perhaps the most rewarding role that you could possibly do you know and I and I know that the challenges are there but the rewards are great and the job is still a privilege to many there's going to be some leaders listening to this that are new to leadership there might even be people listening to this that are thinking about a leadership role in in education it's it's over to you really for for the for, for these for these lines I suppose these these final words um included in this question as to what advice would you give now to anybody listening to this that's either new to leadership or considering primary leadership or or or, I mean this is for everyone really isn't it those that are feeling a bit like you know it's a bit much what what words of support advice what can you do to make them feel good now Carwin what what advice would you give (laughs) you know no pressure (laughs) I've had a couple of little nuggets fired to me over the years I can remember and I'm literally going back to 1992 on my first ever teaching practice Mm -hmm. uh, in a school and I suppose I've, I've always been more on the large side than the small side and the school had a lady caretaker tiny little lady and after school one day I happened to be walking down the corridor and in her very best Belfast accent this little lady stopped me and said here big lad one bit of advice for you look after this caretaker look after the secretary and you'll do all right in this job it's not the worst advice to live by um, anybody new into headship I would give you that advice certainly that, that's that's a path to follow 
Uh, and, and early in my teaching career, I, I taught in that large school, very well-run school, uh, very thankful to have worked under the school leader that was there. And he was a tough cookie, very demanding and, and very high standards, uh, which he got from everyone. But I do remember uh, another male teacher in the school at one stage saw as, as, as a first year teacher, I was struggling and just the workload and the pressure and expectancy. And he took me to the side in the corridor one day and he said, just be yourself. Don't be the teacher the boss wants you to be, be yourself. And he was absolutely right. And it was really reassuring to hear it. And, you know, be how you want to be with the kids. If you're considering being a school leader, you have something about you that's already made you think you want to step up and do it. And in that role, you've got to be yourself. You can't be, you can't pretend to be something else because you can't keep up that pretense. The job is demanding and every little chink in your armor will show through you if it's false. So you've got to be true to yourself. You've got to enjoy the job for what it is. It will kick you. The job will kick you almost every day of the week. But what a job it is. What a privilege of a job it is to have. And some days you just have to go walk around the school and ignore everything else and just find something from a child that will just bring you back to why you're here. And it's getting harder and harder to do, but the kids will keep you right. Uh, I was in the canteen last week and a P2 child said to me, oh, I saw a wrestling TV last night. And I said, all oh, right, right, what was his name? Because it was The Rock. And I said, you The Rock's probably about my age. And he just looked me up and down and he said, yeah, but The Rock is jacked. And I thought, oh, right, okay, you know, I go to the gym, I try, but no, clearly not as jacked as The Rock. And they bring you back down to earth with a bump, but we need that. Uh, we need that little bit of grounding and that little bit of humour that keeps us right. So yeah, the job is rewarding. I would encourage people who are thinking about taking on the school leader's role to really think about it. Don't jump in, don't jump in too early. Uh, there is a right time to do it. You'll know yourself when that is, but enjoy the job for what it is, because it is a privilege. And it's a privilege that people in a local community trust you to send their kids into your care every day. And that's something we can't take lightly uh, and we really should cherish. Thanks, Carwin. Um, I did say to Carwin uh, when we when we met before we started the recording that I always ask whoever is speaking on the podcast to give the last words. And and and, and actually, I've, I've written down what some of your great last words could have been. The kids will keep you right. Enjoy the job for what it is. Think about the local communities. So many um, little nuggets of, of last words in there. But I am still going to asking Carwin to have the final word so just before I do that I'm going to give you time to think about what you want to say um, I just want to thank you for taking some time today to record this it's Carwin Guy and um, it's it, it been absolutely priv a privilege to talk to you and um, to spend a little bit of time in Northern Ireland with you this morning even though I've not actually left my office so thank you for all you're doing and um, hopefully our listeners will join us again soon for another primary podcast so Carwin over to you and thank you very much yeah, we could leave leaders with one last word. There is a, a great collegiality within the job and nobody knows the job like school leaders. And I think you have to find a couple of other school leaders that you can trust implicitly, that you can sit back and laugh from the belly with. Uh, I certainly have that with a couple of my colleagues, Jerry and Dean, uh, and we have that and we can trust each other in that and really enjoy what we do together. So I think if you find that, with each other, that is the one thing that will keep you grounded and keep you right. Uh, and hopefully you'll find that through ASCO. The ASCO Primary Leaders Podcast with Tiff Harris.